This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From a top secret network of highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, as always, Mike Finger, joined by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot. The polarizing Jeff McDonald and Tom Ringo star Orsborn, where we are back to cover the local cagers from soup to nuts. And to start out, I'm going to check with Tom Orsborn to see if he can explain what it means to cover something from soup to nuts. This came up last week. And I know you've been doing your research. Intensive research shows that it was a it was a phrase used in the. 1800s, the uh, late 1880s, 1890s, to describe a full course meal that began with soup and ended with nuts as a dessert. There you have it. As always on the Spurs Insider podcast, we keep our references timely uh, to to, uh, connect with the kids who are on the podcast, leaving ratings on their various podcast outlets. Um, which we always appreciate. And this is just falling in line with that. Um, what would you say, Tom or Jeff or Nick, is wh- what's the soup in this spur situation this week? Where are we starting? First of all, can we go back to soup to nuts? Like, what kind of meal is this? Like, if I went to, like, uh, you know, my favorite restaurant, uh, well, I shouldn't name restaurants. We need, we need sponsors. But, right. uh, but it, it rhymes with Smapplebee's. Um, if uh-huh. I went to that restaurant and they tried to serve me nuts for, for dessert, I would go <laughs> ballistic. Like I would just tear the place apart. I would, I would leave a very bad, very, very, very bad, sternly worded Yelp review. But Jeff, what if the nuts are sprinkled on a beautiful, delicious Sunday, scrumptious, uh, well, then we should call it soup to Sunday. <laughs> there so you go. Tom, I looked into this too, and I believe the nuts were served with a, uh, with a glass or a a, uh, yeah. a receptacle of port, yeah, of dessert of dessert yeah. wine, yeah. So, that's, so that's it should be soup to receptacle of port. <laughs> Would be a better I mean, take that up. Take that up with the with the eighteen eighties. We're <laughs> we're here talking about the Spurs, which are the team of the moment uh, in the NBA. If by the moment you mean a team that is three and seven and looking like it's going to be in for a rough winter. All right, um, here's, here, here's the soup then. You remember like okay. a couple weeks ago where we nearly came to blows on this podcast, which is hard to do from uh, a plethora of highly secured locations, but we nearly came to blows arguing over the, the uh, definition of a bad loss. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that thing in Oklahoma City was a bad loss. I, I think you. we can all agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, it's a bad loss. I don't like, think anyone's going to argue that because can you argue against that finger, Tom? No, anyone? No, it's a bad no. loss. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. Like Oklahoma City's. Ba- I mean, obviously we know they 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 play hard, and you can never count them out. Their two wins before they came back on the Spurs were also rallies against the Los Angeles Lakers. 
blah, blah, blah. But you watch them play. And like the first half of that game, it looked like this is the first time half these players on the Oklahoma City Thunder have even picked up a basketball. I think uh, Oklahoma City is one of those. um, It might be the only arena left where the fans will not sit down until the team scores its first basket. And, uh, you know, there were some some, uh, basically the cast of the Golden Girls sitting in my eyeline right right when we started. And I swear I was not going to be able to see the whole game because the, 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 the Thunder didn't score for like 75 minutes to start that game. It was crazy. I was kind of I was kind of worried about these mature ladies in my in my eye line because I thought they were going to pass out from having to stand up for so long. Um, First of all, this seems like a lot of hyperbole um, in your description of this event. I mean, the, the team that's never played basketball and and uh, ladies about to pass off. But it was bad. Uh, it was bad. Like I was thinking, like, I was sitting here going, "The Thunder suck. They suck." And then outrageous. lo and behold, the 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 I didn't uh, know this was a PG thirteen podcast. For, for our younger listeners slash viewers, to, uh, what what are the Golden Girls exactly? Um, it was uh, a friend of the podcast, Mike Monroe's favorite show growing up. <laughs> yeah, the rest um, of us watched the, the rest of us watched Charlie's Angels. He watched the Golden Girls. Yeah, he had That's he had like the right. Blanche poster in his in his room. Uh-huh. Anyway, that was a bad loss, and that was a loss the Spurs. Like that was a game the Spurs kind of needed to get. You know, if they're if they're going to be anything and and um, pop after the game is really the first time. You know, we've talked a lot about Sunshine Pump and Pop this uh, this year about how he's been encouraged by a lot of these losses. This was one of the first times I think the Indiana game was another one. But this is one where he was really disappointed after that game um, talked about. And I, I kind of saw this, too, talked about how the Spurs got up 16 kind of looked like they kind of got in their heads. They're playing this team that can't get in this Thunder team that can't get anything right and kind of loosened up. And didn't didn't um, really keep focus and and really towards the end of the second quarter, um, the Thunder started coming back. And then the third quarter was just an utter disaster for for your local Cagers. And they were they they went into halftime up ten, went into the fourth quarter down ten, came back and took a lead in the fourth quarter. But it was just just an ugly game, poor shooting game. Um, we can talk a little bit about about uh, Derek White and his struggles later. But he was zero for ten in that game. Um, just, just a bad, bad loss. All like you, you're up 16 against a team that has never played basketball before in its life. You got to win that game. Not to be too existential here, um, but you kind of trailed off at the end of your comment earlier about how this was one they needed if they want to. If they want to, what? I don't know. <laughs> and, and this might be That's too broad thing. of a. This might be too broad of a topic this early in the podcast. But yes, we can all agree that's a bad loss. But in the grand scheme of things. It's a bad loss because of why. Individually, we don't individually we don't care about wins and losses this year. I think that's fair to say. I'm not going to speak for the Spurs, but I think if you're a Spurs uh-huh. fan, you can't really. I mean, in 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 some way, the more losses, the better. You get a better draft pick. But I think you want to lose games the right way, if that makes sense. Like you right. also just don't want to build bad habits and get in games and lose games that way. You want to lose games to to you know the best teams in the league because you're playing hard and they're just better. You don't want to lose games because you're actually the better team and are ahead and are playing well and then just start to screw around. Like you don't want to build that habit in. So I, I, that's why I think it's a bad loss and it's, it's not a loss you can build on. One, one fact of life about this Spurs team, which I don't think is going to end up being the worst team in the Western Conference. I think overall the Spurs are probably better than the Thunder, uh, probably better than the Rockets. 
maybe even better than the Timberwolves, who seem to still have their usual problems. I might be forgetting somebody. Pelicans are one and nine, by the way. We can the Pel- they're better than the Pelicans. But what what I was going for here is even against a team as bad and as inexperienced as the Thunders, um, who is the best on the, on the court that day? And you were there uh, with your partially obstructed view looking past the Golden Girls. On that court that night, who was the most established closer type um, from both teams? The best player on the team uh, on the floor was a, was a fellow called Mike Muscala. See, Mike now Muscala. you're being sort of intentionally obtuse. What, what I'm going like the the uh, the Thunders. It's SGA. Everybody knows what you're getting at. SGA. Right. Yes. So even on a bad team, they've got a guy in Shade Gilgis Alexander who has sort of served as that game finisher for his team before. Because he was that on his team last year, which was also a bad team, but he's done it. Um, your local cagers, while heartened and encouraged by the early play of guys like DeJounte Murray and Devin Vassell, who continues to make leaps and bounds from last year in his second season. Um, Kelvin Johnson's had his moments. None of those guys really have the game closing experience that a guy like SGA has. And I think that, while that loss was clearly a bad loss by every definition, it's just another reminder of what this team has to learn to do this year and how they really can take nothing for granted, even against a team like Oklahoma City. There, there was a point in the, in the second half, I swear this happened. I looked at the person next to me. Uh, I think SGA had like five points at that point. It had, not, it had kind of not been existent in that game. It kind of been a facilitator. I looked at the person next to me and I said, I wonder if it's a bad sign for the Spurs that, that Shea has not gone off yet. And immediately he scored seven straight points, like immediately. So I know you were, you were at the arena, but the same thing happened with Bill and Sean on the, uh, yeah. on the telecast. <laughs> like everybody sort of saw that coming. Well, great minds. Um, great minds. More happened this week than the one loss. What else should we know uh, uh, in between the soup and the nuts? What other developments happened with the local cagers over the past seven days between podcasts? Um, they lost their uh, best player to the health and protocols list. I don't think we talked about that last time. I think that's happened since our last yeah. last podcast. That's kind of hurt them a lot, too. Um, I mean, Jakob Pertl, we've kind of joked about him being their best player, but he really might be their best player. Uh, definitely their best big man. Definitely their, their, their starting center. Their leading rebounder, third leading scorer, leading shot blogger. He's been gone for the past, I think he's missed three games now. Is that correct? three games. Yeah. I I think we'll be eligible to return by the end of this week. But uh, even then um, when he's eligible to return, I believe that the protocols are that he's not allowed to do physical activity in those days off. So I don't know how quickly he's actually back in game shape and on the floor after being cleared. That's kind of something we'll, we'll be monitoring the rest of this week. And the game where the hole in the middle really showed up was the Dallas game. Uh, the first one yeah. he missed when they went to Boban at key points in the game to keep them going. And Boban delivered against the much smaller Drew Eubanks. And they've got Dallas again Friday, and we can expect more of the same. That was a that, – that comes with an asterisk, Tom. But that, that game is the one that kind of put an end to your soothsaying uh, run. It's- it did, but my <laughs> my prediction came before we knew Jakob was out. That's why I mentioned the asterisk. We yeah, did not there know you go. That there you go. Yeah. Okay. 
but that that was another game, and uh, I guess the one in between there was in Orlando. Uh, I mean, if we uh, want to, we don't want to be totally negative. They did play a really good game in Orlando. They did. Again, Orlando's um, not a good team, but but still, you got to go beat a good. You, you know, neither is Oklahoma City. They didn't win that game, but they went to Orlando and kind of played their best defensive game of the year. So we can give them props for that. The the bookends though were um, were Dallas and Oklahoma City, and in both of those games, it continued that trend of just not being able to finish. And I guess this can lead into a conversation about the struggles of one Derek white, because it plays into this, like he's not the only culprit here, but um, when a team is learning how to win close games in the fourth quarter, which the Spurs have not quite figured out how to do yet, with the exception maybe of that game in in Milwaukee, um, they're still waiting for um, easy ways to score. Is, Is that a thing? Like, I'm not sure what pop said after the Oklahoma city game. Um, he might have uh, gone back to his standbys of they need to not take things for granted and they need to not get lazy on defense or whatever. But the bottom line is that team just couldn't score <laughs> in the second half and then, and then key position, key possessions in the fourth quarter. And I'm just wondering what you guys think about how that's going to develop over the next couple of months, because to me, this is a team that plays hard and kind of turn up the defensive pressure when it needs to, but there are situations when they just don't really know what they're doing in terms of how to, how to put the ball in the basket. And uh, I'm not sure that kind of resolves itself anytime soon. I don't think so either. I, I think we've talked about it a lot um, where, I mean, obviously we know this is all bogus, but they talk about just having this closer by committee. We don't have a, com- we, have, we don't have a closer. We're going to have to do it as a team, but that just doesn't, it doesn't really work. Uh, and you see that a lot of times in these close games, it's just, they basically, sometimes it feels like various players take turns, just freaking out, like taking the ball and just barreling to Keldon Johnson, barreling to the basket, trying to tough, a tough, uh, you know, a tough drive that maybe worked for him in the third quarter, the second quarter, but it's not going to work for him down the stretch as much. He's certainly not going to get a foul call down the stretch as much. It's DeJounte. I, I, well, we'll get back to him. Um, but, you know, it's Lonnie Walker doing that. It's um, it's just they take turns freaking out. I think at this point in time, it's got to be um, DeJounte taking over. He's the guy that and it, sometimes it doesn't go in for him and it doesn't it doesn't work out. But he's the guy that can get that 12 to 18 footer um, and, and, you know, get that look. And we did. I know. I don't know if you want to call. I don't. Orlando wasn't exactly a fourth quarter game. I mean, the Spurs were up double digits the entire time, but the Magic did cut it to seven there midway through the through the um, fourth quarter, where it was like, ah, this is getting, you know, the Spurs are going to make this dicey. And it was DeJounte who came through with back-to-back buckets to kind of push that lead back out and, and keep it at double digits. So maybe it wasn't Murray, like, close, like, playing the role of closer in that game, but it was Murray making the big baskets that kept him from having to play the role of closer later on. But as far as normal games go or the other games go. Yeah. They just, they don't have that guy and they're not going to like, it just takes reps and practice and figuring it out and all that stuff. And it's just not going to, it'll take all year. Probably. Probably. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe next year you're looking at a spot where there's a guy that, that will do that more consistently. Hey Tom, are you worried about Derek white? Yeah. I was just looking at his stats um, over the last four games, you know, shooting 31, 31%. 
basically. Uh, yeah, he'll get better. I mean, that's, I don't know why he's struggling so much scoring wise, but you, you would think he'll get better as the season progresses. Um, you know, the defense is still there. He's doing other things. He contributes every game in some other way other than scoring, but, but it is a disappointment. I, I expected a, a really good season from him, you know, finally being healthy, but I imagine he'll round into shape here soon enough, hopefully, for the Spurs. I mean, he's better than this. He's shooting 30, yeah, he's yeah. shooting 38% from the field this season. A lot of that was due – I mean, he wasn't shooting great before he went 0 for 10 in Oklahoma City, but that one is, is the one that really brought his shooting percentage down. But even going into that game, I was thinking, man, Eric is just having a tough time this year putting the ball in the basket. Like, like he's better than this. He's better than this. And then I look at his, I look at his, his stats – he was shooting 43% coming into that game, which is not great, but it was better than he shot last year. Yeah. Like, are we, are we, do we maybe think Derek White is a better shooter than, than he actually is? I think the factor that is going unspoken here is all of these struggles, whether it's Lonnie Walker, who's not been great of late either, um, name your guy, all these struggles get magnified when you don't have a DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge scoring their steady 18 to 20 points per game. By the way, both those guys are kind of <laughs> undergoing a career uh, renaissance resurgence in their, it's in their shocking new cities, how, how good is, they can be when they don't have to be the undisputed best player on your team. Right. Time. But the, the corollary to that is that it's sort of shocking how much worse a player like a Derek White or whoever with the Spurs who's struggling how much worse they look when there's not a, a boring old veteran there getting their 20, their 18 to 20 every game. Like every, all the struggles get way more magnified when you just can't count on one guy like a DeMar DeRozan to annoy everybody with his mid-range jumpers and his, you know, 18 points a game. I, I, I think there's, there's probably something that where Derek White feels a bigger sense of pressure, bigger obligation to do something bigger, this year. And point. when he misses a shot, it's a bigger deal. Same thing with Kelton Johnson, same thing with Lonnie, same thing with all these guys. Um, and that, and that's part of what the story of the season is going to be, I think. And right now, Derek is just missing open shots and, and it's, it gets into that mode where you just feel bad for him. Cause it's some, it, some of them they're in and out like, like, you know, he should get, he should get at least one point for that one. Cause it was halfway down and then pops out. Um, but I, I also I also wonder a lot of people fell in love with with Derek White as an offensive player in the bubble in Orlando. And I'm starting to wonder if that was just one like, you know, an eight, a magical eight game run um, that he's not going to put together over over a whole season. And I want to go on record. I like Derek White as a player. Like I'm not down on him. He needs to he needs to shoot better than 38 percent. Overall, I like I, we, we've talked about it a lot. With, like Tom mentioned it earlier when when. Uh, when he's not making shots, he's still doing these little heady, crafty things that can help you drawing charges. He's stripping, stripping guys on fast breaks. Uh, I do wonder if if the missed shots are starting to get in his head a little bit and affect those parts of the game as well. I, I've specifically asked Pop a question that way after the Oklahoma City game. Like, are you seeing anything from Derek White that goes beyond the ball not going in the hole for him? And Pop said, well, yeah, he's having a tough time in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. And we need him to be better. We, we need him to play well or we're not going to be, be good. So uh, I think, I think it's, uh, there's the danger of letting, and it happens to a lot of players, letting the, 
uh, failure to make shots sort of seep into the rest of your game and affect that and distract you. You get down on yourself a little bit. And I think a, a lot of what the Spurs are talking about now is keeping keeping White out of going into that full funk. He just needs to see the ball go into the basket for him a little bit. Is some of it him not really know what it, knowing what his role is? His, his assists are really up, and part of that is because DeMar is out. He's averaging almost six assists a game, a career high. After a three point five the last two seasons, does he, you know, does he want to accept that uh, role more, being a facilitator, or you know, is it is it part of him just not knowing what he is? That's probably true. That that's that probably plays into it. I'm not sure any of these guys are sure yet. Um, and and to be clear, I don't think Jeff was suggesting that um, the Orlando bubble was the only time we've seen potential on Derek. Like he had a really good playoff series against Denver that year. Yeah. That um, one game. Yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, we, we've seen flashes from him before and, and, and like a, in a weird way, he's been one of the steadier youngsters. Like you you can always count on him for something, Yeah, but to, mm-hmm. to, uh, the polarizing Jeff McDonald's point, like the, the stretches of him being a, like a looking like a lead guard, I guess have, have been, um, you know, the, 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 the bubble in Orlando and, and places like that. He hasn't been steadily that, and I'm not sure he ever will be. I think that's a fair question. Uh, another fair question, I think is a, I think what is, is a fair question is regarding young Keldon, um, who at times has looked dominant this year. There was a, 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 a point early in the season when you wondered, wow, could this guy average 18, 19, 20 points a game for a whole season? There, there seems to be a really huge hole in his game. And that is that defenders don't feel obligated at all to guard him more than like 18 feet from the rim. Um, and we talked to pop on a couple of road trips ago about Keldon continuing to attempt and miss these three pointers. And I asked him, is that a shot that you want him to continue to take? Is that a shot you want him, want him taking? And Pop said, absolutely, you, mean, you can't win in this league without making those shots. But my question to the group is, do you want Keldon taking those shots? If he's going to go one for 14 or whatever he's been so far, does he have any hope as a jump shooter? I think he needs to keep taking the open ones. I, I mean, which he, he doesn't take non-open ones. Like, he doesn't want to take that shot. And, but if it's – And it's defenders, it's, defenders seem to want him to take those shots too. That's the question. I, I mean, it also goes back to, and so he misses it and what? You lose a game? Like, oh, no. Like, this is, like, it goes back to that existential question. Like, he's going to have to develop a three-point shot to really be an effective player in this league. Um, so he needs to keep shooting them. And if, it call, if you don't win games because of it, then so freaking what? That's the point of the season. Let's take winning or losing games out of the equation. Okay. I'm going to be really – cliche sports writer here and make too big of a deal out of body language, <laughs> which often is way overrated. Um, but there, there are times when just watching Keldon looks like he's getting in his own head and his struggles are bothering. Him. And I wonder if missing a, 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 a butt ton of, of three open three pointers in a row is counterproductive to his own confidence. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you miss that many in a row, he seems to get down on himself. And I wonder if he just doesn't need more time, whether it's with Chip England, whether it's just another yeah. off season of working on the thing before he's asked to shoot him again. Like, 
yeah, they're giving him the shot. And in the modern NBA, you have to take them. But if he's not making them, I just wonder if like, again, taking wins and losses aside, is, is, is it hurting him more than helping him to, to go one for 14 from three point? Range? I get your, I get, I get your point. And there's a fine line to walk there where, where, I mean, I, I take your point, but at the same time, he's got to learn to shoot him. And a lot of times if, if a guy and the way the Spurs are playing, if a guy refuses to take a wide, wide open three pointer, it mucks up the whole offense. You end up with shot clock violations. You end up with guys driving in traffic you know, guys driving to traffic and then you're trying, you know, freaking out and trying to dump the ball somewhere where it doesn't belong at the last minute. Like it, it, it's, it's the shot that is meant to be taken in the offense. And if he's not going to take it, it, it kind of has the potential to sabotage the offense a little bit. Let me oh, say this as a rookie, Keldon Johnson shot 59% from three. Yeah. Now yeah. it was on 22 attempts, but he made 13 out of 22. Uh, this year he's three of 22. Last year, he over a full season, he shot thirty three percent, which ain't great, but it's a, it's a lot better than thirteen. Like he's twenty percent worse than last year. So there is a little bit of a correction, I think, that can come if you just keep shooting. He's all but given up, I guess, on shooting him though. Uh, he's he's attempted five. He did not shoot last, one in Orlando. I know that. Yeah, he attempted five over the last four games and one over the last two. Um, it seems like, you know, we had that spell where Pop was talking about uh, you did those good stories, Jeff, about him wanting uh, um, Keldon to, you know, show some finesse or, you know, some variety in his shot selection. And it seems since that point, he's kind of reverted back to just barreling, you know, the ball yeah, in the China shop. He's got a little bit of finesse in the paint, like this Euro step yes, he's got, yeah. this floater that he's got now. But yeah, he's, he's, the floor is contracting on him. Like he's not even taking, for a while there, he was even willing to take like a pull up 10 footer, 12 footer. He hadn't taken one of those in a while either. I don't no. know. We've been fairly negative on the young uh, local cagers so far. I, I mentioned it in passing earlier, but I think one of the bright spots of the season so far for the Spurs is the progression of Devin Vassell, um, who isn't dominant, um, but clearly looks like a piece that's going to be part of this team's future for a while. Am I, am I sort of overrating him? Well, no, I don't think you're overrating him. I mean, he's, he's definitely a piece that's going to be a part of this team's future for a while. And maybe, I mean, he could grow into a, a very good piece, maybe the D piece because um, we're seeing it on both ends from him. Um, obviously there's a little, and we might've talked about this before. There's a little bit of inconsistency uh, on his part. Um, and a lot of that is in terms of this is his first year of really playing every night with a defined role. And then part of it being a bench player, like sometimes bench players, you know, you're going to have a six point nine and sometimes you're going to have a 19 point nine. It just kind of depends on how the, how the games, the game rolls and, and everything like, like, um, you know, not all six men can be Mono Ginobili where you're, you're going to get, get a, 20.9 out of them more nights than not. Um, but I think that will come with time to the, the consistency. And it's, it seems like we, it also feels like we're seeing a different Devin Vassell sometimes at home than on the road, which is also something that can happen for, with, for young players. Like here, here, I, I just looked it up. Devin Vassell is shooting 56% at home games this year and 32% road games, you know? So it's kind of the, the, the that, that kind of split, that's pretty extreme. That's pretty extreme. But I think mm. it's also understandable when you're talking about a 20, 21 year old 
um, who hasn't hasn't played a lot of NBA basketball. And, you know, these six road games that Devin Vassell played are basically the first six real road games he's ever played in the NBA because the ones last year just were not the same um, atmosphere at all. So that is interesting information placed in helpful context. It's, it's like the kind of stuff that you could get. That's my, that's my middle every name. Every day at expressnews.com. It, it's serving. And on the uh, Spurs Nation newsletter, which I'm not going to remind the listeners or viewers um, to take part in or, or to subscribe to, because I'm sure, again, I'm insulting their intelligence. Any of them who care about the Spurs and about San Antonio and about South Texas in general already are all over that. They'd be crazy not to be subscribers and uh, frequent visitors to expressnews.com. So that, that sort of goes without saying. But you said it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So maybe I did insult the listeners. Yeah, um, wouldn't be the first time. We ended last week's podcast talking about one Thad Young and about him looking on the bright side of things. And he was just, I think he had just gotten his first or second dose of real action. And uh, we were talking about how he might not play a whole lot, but he's ready when he does. And it seems like he is entrenching himself, at, maybe because Jakob Pertl isn't around, but he's a valuable guy to have get minutes every night. I enjoy watching the guy play. I enjoy watching him pass. I enjoy watching him do a lot of stuff. He's a YMCA player at the NBA level. And does he remind you a lot of yourself? Well, not of myself, but of, of, of guys I see at the YMCA all the time. Like he's, he's, my, he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy my, to watch. Mike, he's but, a pro. The word you're looking for, he's a he's, pro. He's a pro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so an update to last week's podcast. I think we made fun of that, that anytime you mentioned Thad Young to anyone um, in, with the Spurs, with opponents, whoever, you mentioned Thad Young, the first thing they say is he's a pro. I think the the day after we recorded that podcast, that was a home game against Dallas. Is that right? Yes. And somebody in the pregame, Greg Popovich availability asked about Thad Young. And what were the first three words he said? This is not at all. He's, He's a, a pro. pro. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. He is a pro. What do we think about the Thad Young experience? Well, when you say Thad Young reminds me of guys you see at the YMCA, are you talking like, like the construction worker or the, like, the motorcycle guy? Yeah. Which, which guy you see at the guys. YMCA? The guys you want on your team. Oh. The guys who I was, making, I was making a village people joke. I see. Yeah. Another yeah. timely reference. <laughs> a podcast full of timely references. Okay. The thing I like the most about that Young's minute, he didn't, by the way, he did not have a great game in Oklahoma City. I mean, he wasn't the only guy to, to not play well, but that was not the best. Of but he's playing. Players. But he's playing. The thing I like the best about him are the backdoor passes. He's going to get yes. at least one game. And, um, I kind of brought that up with somebody and I said, well, if you look at it, you know, he was averaging about an assist a year, one or two oh, assist a game, 1.5, maybe two for like 14 years. It was just last year in Chicago where he finally started just doing this. And he, he uh-huh. got his assists up to nearly five a game, four and a half, something like that. And he's doing it again here in, in San Antonio. I talked a little to Doug McDermott about that because Doug had played with him previously in his career in Indiana. And Doug said, and I didn't think about this, but I think it's probably right. Um, Doug said, you know, he shared he he was in Indiana at the time that Sabonis showed up, and you know he uh, kind of got to play. He actually Thad actually started in front of Sabonis that year. So, you know, they played together in practice and against each other in practice. And he said, I think Doug said, I think I think Thad took a lot of um, 
you know, a lot of what Sabonis is doing and his, you know, as a big man passing that kind of point forward sort of mentality and he kind of incorporated in his game. And it wasn't until last year in Chicago that you saw it come out. You know, he's playing with a lot of younger players that where he just kind of feels like it's his role to facilitate these guys and set these guys up. And I think the same thing applies um, to what you're seeing in San Antonio. He's just going to give them a, 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 a veteran level-headed high IQ basketball presence, like show these guys how to play the game. And a lot of that is, is in his passing abilities. And, and I kind of wrote that story going into Oklahoma city and like the first second he was on the floor, he threw one of those to Devin Vassell for a dunk. I felt very vindicated there. And then he went on to kind of a garbage game, but, but you know, it was, it was a nice moment. I mentioned to you up on the platform that when he gets the ball, like watch all the other guys with their back, like it, it encourages the other local cagers to be making back cuts over and over and over again. Like the motion gets going and it's like 1960s basketball. Maybe it's not exactly the modern game, a whole bunch of back cuts. It's like Princeton. What was the name of people? Yeah. Uh, who's the Princeton coach? The old fellow jumped around. Uh, Pete, Pete, uh, Pete Carroll, not to be confused Pete. with Pete Carroll. That's I think it's right. Pete Carroll. I think they pronounced Pete Carroll. Yeah. Not to be, pronounced, uh, not to be confused with Pete Carroll or Steve Carell. We are setting a record for just uh, uh, 2020 references in this podcast. The 20, just, just so modern, so hip, so with it. It's incredible. Like we're, we're just really connecting to the younger generations. Pete Carell. I I don't don't understand. That's the best I can do. Like, I don't understand the kids and the Justin Bieber's and their Spice Girls. Like, I don't understand the new kids. (laughs) (laughs) Kids and their Spice Girls. It's just, who can relate anymore? Um, Yes, but the the point is, like, that. you think Thad Young can? Thad Young's the oldest guy in his locker room. He keeps himself young by by getting the youngsters involved. And I think that's a good... We're going to end another podcast with a lesson from Thad Young because... I don't, those, I, don't think we, I don't think we want to encourage our, our viewers to get the youngsters involved. Like, I don't, I don't want to know where okay. that's going. Let's, let's well, no, what I'm saying up. is, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm appalled that you would take this in a, in, a, in a negative way, but Thad Young, oldest guy in the locker room, in danger of being passed by, probably, you know, he admitted a couple of weeks ago he was kind of frustrated by his own situation thinking what, how can he be useful anymore? Well, to be useful, you can help out the next generation. You can, you you can try to make the teammates better. We, we said this last week. It hasn't been a great week for that. Young. The Spurs lost a couple times. He had a rough game, but he's keeping the people around him involved. He's, he's looking at the bright side, just like the listeners should be looking at the bright side. And uh, again, be more like that young, take care of each other. Keep it real. We'll see you.